Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another edition of the Pulp Prediction Podcast. Um, after some berating, I've got both brothers on the line in the midst of the snowstorm uh, to talk a little NBA, because we haven't done NBA in a while. Um, so, Nick, Danny, how are you guys? Good, man. Glad to be back on the pod. I'm real good, Zach. Just uh, excited to talk some hoops. All right, well, let's let's get right into it, because as per usual with this crew, there are a series of stipulations and conditions to this podcast existing. Uh, On so... one condition. <laughs> so, Cavs-Celtics happened last night, game two. This time, a big Celtics win at home. Um, close game through the beginning. Celtics kind of pulled a little bit away, and then the third quarter kind of ran away with it. And, you know, LeBron wasn't even out there to close the game. Um, so let's start first with you, Danny. Does this yeah. game change how you feel about Cavs versus Celtics in a playoff series? Well, to me, it really confirms how I've been feeling, which is that this is one of the worst Cavs teams since LeBron took the dog shit uh team with the second best player being Ilgauskas and third being Mike Bibby to the finals against the Spurs. Uh, The Celtics lit them up. My biggest takeaway, honestly, is just crazy positive Celtics feelings about like Terry Rozier off the bench looking like a legitimate all-star and he's like the seven or eight man. It just seems like Boston has such depth, like only Houston and OKC really has similar depth. Yeah, I mean, I love Rozier. I've been saying the whole year I think he's going to get a huge offer in free agency that the Celtics are going to really struggle to match, especially if they keep smart. Like, it's clear to me it's either or at this point because both, I think, are worth a, I don't know, $12, $15 million contract. uh, Yeah, who would you keep? Who would you keep if you were the GM? That's such a hard question because I really have no idea what to make of smart. I mean, if smart can get a consistent three-point shot, he's the pick because he kind of does everything Rozier does now but adds the benefit of being, like, one of the weirdest, best defensive pieces in the league. Um, And for someone like Stevens, who's a really good coach that has a ton of value, I'd probably try and play hardball with Smart just because I don't know what he'd do on another team. Like, he's such a weird person to incorporate that if he's your second-highest-paid player, like, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? Um... I mean, I love both. I don't know what I'd do. I probably wouldn't keep Marcus Morris. <laughs> Dude, Marcus Morris was coming through with some, like, ridiculous fadeaway jump shots that were never going to go in last night. Yeah, he was ass. But I, I want to hear Nick's take first. Nick, do you feel like you have a more clear position after that game on the, these two teams in a playoff series? Well, first of all, I'll remind you that uh, I think I don't know whether this is one of our pods that's still in the can or got lost or whether this was one that actually hit the airways. But I remember we discussed uh, how I talked you into picking the Celtics to win the East uh, about a month ago. Yeah, that was sad. Well, sad. Um, But I think that this this game kind of makes me feel vindicated for that belief. Um. You know, I think just the Celtics are just, you guys touched on this already, just such an overall better team. Like, you know, the pieces that they have coming off the bench, um, the way that their starters play. I mean, you guys just bagging on Marcus Morris, and I don't think that he's great by any means. Um, but he had a, he had, he was plus 16 last night and was, you know, had a, had a decent defensive game uh, with some tricky assignments. So, like, that's not a terrible player to be trotting out there. And, um, you know, I think that that speaks really well to this team. One thing that I will say, though, to kind of tamper this a little bit, is that Kevin Love had an absolutely horrendous game last night, scoring only two points on one of 11 shooting. And was hurt most um, of it. Yeah. So, like, that's that's something that I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on seeing again in the playoffs. Um, they were without, they were without Isaiah. Um, and D Wade was two, was two for 10, didn't play well. Now, admittedly, admittedly, look, I said this a month ago and I still believe it today that these guys suck and will lose in the playoffs and aren't that good actually. But I do think that, that they will, like, it'll be a tighter series because those guys won't play terribly the whole time. 
But I mean, Zach, you did ask me like, you know, yesterday if I wanted to bet the Cavs. Yeah, you got um, out of that, which was very smart. I wanted to throw money on Cavs money line. Yeah, and just like I think that my reason for not wanting to is that I think that the Celtics, you know, are just so much better um, with their third through twelfth spot on the roster than the than the Cavs. But also that it's the second night of a back to back for Cleveland, while the Celtics have had a lot of rest. So. You know, I think yeah. that, that contributed to it, too. No, definitely. I mean, I I should have been more wary of the old team on a back-to-back play. Um, I was not. Uh, and, like, Wade, for example, looked like he had just played a game that morning. Um, I mean, so I think you guys touched on it a little bit. I feel like we still don't know shit about this matchup, to be honest. I mean, for the Cavs, you think about them in a playoff series. They're playing through LeBron first and second, IT third. Love fourth, and they still have to figure out how all those guys incorporate. It wasn't playing in this game. Love was hurt and kind of rendered useless in this game. Um, you know, and then game one, where the Cavs won, you know, that was the game where Hayward explodes his ankle, and Kyrie looks like he just watched a car accident for about two hours, and you know that game's a wash too. I honestly feel like I have no idea in this series. I still maintain that if you're going to bet it, you should bet the team that's getting. Uh, better odds because I don't think anyone can really say definitively what's going to happen in the series. So I feel good about our bet on the Celtics uh, to win the East. But I mean, this matchup has a lot of dynamic stuff for me. That's really interesting. Like, I mean, you saw it in the first quarter of that game. LeBron got any shot he wanted the entire game, um, and just because he took his foot off the gas because he felt like his teammates were not really there with him. Uh, doesn't mean he can't do that for 40 minutes a game in a playoff game um but i also feel like Kyrie is going to get whatever he wants i mean jose calderon's going to guard him like are you kidding me um and boston will be smart about picking on whatever ass defenders lou throws out there um you know i think kevin love's probably not going to play that bad again but at the same time i can't think of a better person to guard what Love brings to an offense than horford Horford can absolutely take him in the post, can absolutely box him out. And if you try and do some pick-and-pop, screen-and-roll stuff with Love on the perimeter, Horford's totally fleet of foot enough to deal with that. So I think Love is someone who might be a little useless in the series. I mean, you look at this series, and if you're Cleveland, basically all you have in your back pocket is LeBron and maybe IT just balling out against the Celtics. And I think I think IT throw it smart or to throw at IT, like Smart, Rozier, uh, even someone like Jalen Brown be interesting, but I don't feel like anyone on the Celtics can guard LeBron. Like, not I don't think anyone on the Celtics can guard LeBron, not even remotely, I agree. Like, LeBron did that thing that he did when the finals were already lost last year, where he just decides that, okay, I'm just going to get a layup every play for the first six plays. Yeah. Um, not to mention, like, IT had a excellent 19 points in his debut. Like he is really looking excellent. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if everyone gets better playing with LeBron. Like I don't see why it's, he couldn't at least for the short period of a final series, replicate the type of season he had his last year in Boston. Right. And that's why I think it's so unknown, right? Like I'm, I've been of the opinion that it will not be able to do what he did in Boston. What he did in Boston was superhuman. Could he drop 25 points a game and, in 30 minutes in a playoff series against Boston. It's possible, especially with how he looked in that first game. And if that's possible, then the Celts better find a way to score 110, um, which can be really tough for them. I mean, I think I think when Boston ripped off that win streak, it was getting a ton more from Jalen Brown than it's getting now. Um, you know, kind of a ton, really a ton more from everyone except uh, Tatum, who's really just kept getting better and better this year. And, you know, I just kind of look up and down these rosters, and you're right, Boston's 3 through 12, 4 through 12 are just so much better. That matters less in a playoff series than it does in a regular season game. I feel like, I mean, Horford's their second best player. They're going to need 20 a game from Tatum in the playoffs, and that is a huge ask for a 19-year-old who will probably be matched up against LeBron for large swaths of the game. Yeah, but I think that, I don't know, I still really, if I had to pick today, I would say Celtics just because, like, the defense, IT will help them tremendously on offense, but he'll do only negative things for the Cavs on defense. 
and the Cavs were getting smoked on defense yesterday. Yeah. Like, no, he's their feeble attempt at doubling Kyrie went so poorly. It is just ridiculous. Yeah, and if you think about what, how the Celtics would counteract IT, I mean, you throw someone like Smart on him, right? Um, you know, maybe Smart's not fleet of foot enough, but you throw someone like Smart on him on defense. And that's probably IT's hiding spot on defense, but if IT's covering Smart, Smart goes into the post on every play and just rebounds over him the whole game and just elbows him the whole game. That's miserable. That is an awful game for IT. Um, and, you know, if he can't cover Smart, you definitely don't want him covering Kyrie. What's he going to cover, Tatum? Jalen Brown? Like, Jalen Brown is 15 inches taller than IT. So... I don't know. It's a it's a huge problem, I think, for them. Um, Nick, you feel good about our Celtics bet? Oh yeah. I mean, like right now, the the Eastern Sam- the Eastern Conference standings have the Celtics at the number one spot, Raptors at two, Cavs at three. Um, and and I think the Celtics might slow down. There's a chance that somebody catches them, but you know, if the season ended like this today, then the Cavs have to go through Toronto, which is not going to be an easy task. This is, and I I remember saying this when we, you know, when we made our Celtics bet, and this was the other kind of part of my thinking, is that this is the most competitive Eastern Conference we've had in, honestly, as long as I can remember. Um, Since the big three Celtics and the Heat were together. Yes, yes. And that was, that was really like, there were two really good teams at the top. And you had like some like a like some frisky Bulls teams that were coming up. Um, Indiana had some interesting years in there, but like this is a year where um, really like you're going to get a challenge. Like the Cavs, round one would have the Pistons, and I think that they would. I think they'd smush through them pretty quick. But Raptors round two, that would be a tough one. Like I think that I think that people are kind of catching on to what the Raptors are doing a little bit this year. That like they're actually getting covered somewhat, but like they have a really solid team just where like they have 10 guys, like a fantastic rotation of guys that can all ball. Yeah. And like, I think that they gave LeBron a run for his money when LeBron had a better team and they had a worse team. And it wasn't like they, they had a real threat of winning. And I, and I honestly would pick the Cavs to beat them again this year. But like, if they go seven with LeBron, and they're really pushing him for everything he's got. I don't know if he comes back for the Eastern Conference Finals and is like ready to play 40 in human minutes once again for six or seven games. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I think the thing with the Raptors is DeRozan can shoot threes now. Um, I mean, he's hitting 36% of his threes on three attempts a game, which is pretty pedestrian. But for a guy who the book was every time go under, go under, go under, now guys have to stand near him at the three-point line and have to go over a little bit on screens. It's just unlocked everything for him. Um, and, you know, I think teams will still challenge him to make that shot in the playoffs. They don't, they'll, it's kind of still the best course with him. But, you know, I think if DeRozan's sitting that shot and he's playmaking out of that, that situation, he's got five assists a game, so he's shown he can do that. That's a game that translates to the playoffs much better than I think his game translated before. Um, yeah. So I, I do agree with you. I think they're something to deal with. They have these awesome bench mobs that really can run up the score against almost anyone. Um, they kind of curb stomped the Bulls uh, yesterday with that bench unit. Um, but, you know, I, I agree with you. I think Celts Cavs are obviously going to contend for the, the, the kind of Eastern crown, but you've also got the Raptors in there who look every bit as competitive as those two teams. Um, Can't got, forget the Wizards. You've got the Wizards, I was going to say, who I'm divested from, but Wall and Beal are still something to deal with, and Porter, I think, is underrated. Um, and then you've got Giannis and the Bucks, who are all preposterously long and, you know, for a 10-minute period of time, might be able to entirely suffocate any of these teams. Um, so you're right. It's going to be competitive. You're right. LeBron should get some more miles on him going through the East this year than last year. You could say the same thing about the Celtics, and I still feel like when push comes to shove, LeBron's going to do whatever he wants against the Celtics. Yeah, um, but I think that I think that like I think that 
that that's that's amazing lebron getting whatever he wants but like i i don't think that like in the past that's worked out for him like you know he was able to do that um you know his first year with his first year back with the Cavs, where he dragged them to the finals of golden state but like he really didn't play against anybody that year and like this is the best and most complete team that he's had to face um, in an Eastern Conference Finals since, God, I mean, I, I can't think of an, of an Eastern Conference team that really gave LeBron a run for his money during these, you know, last seven. I mean, the, the Raptors had a good series with him once. Um, I remember, like, the Bulls had a good, not even had a, like, I think they went five. The Bulls like, never had a good series with him. Yeah. So, like, I just, I, I think that, like, the idea of LeBron doing it on his own um, against this Celtics team is, is different. Because, like, I mean, it was it, when he was with the big three in Miami and he had prime Wade and prime Bosch, like, you know, that, that was something else to kind of rely on. But, like, the solo LeBron act, and I mean, I, I think IT will be somewhat of an X factor in that. Maybe he can bring a complimentary superstar to the point that, like, it could kind of mitigate this. But, you know, LeBron getting whatever he wants is one thing. But, like, carrying a team through the, through the playoffs and, and, and through the Celtics, through this Celtics team, I think is something we have not seen him do before. I mean, I think there's a roster in, in there that's, that gives LeBron good depth. I think if you build the team around, I mean, Jay Crowder's been abysmal, which has got to be terrible for Cavs fans. I think a lot of Celtics fans. Also unsurprising. He's been so bad. Uh, but I, I think there's a roster, there's a core within that roster you can build that I think is really intelligent, right? You build it around IT and LeBron always playmaking. You stagger their minutes. J.R. Smith plays a ton. Kevin Love plays a ton. Tristan Thompson plays a ton. Corver plays a ton. Um, Jeff Green, who I think sucks, has bizarrely been useful. I think he gets kind of 12-ish minutes. Crowder, you hope, can give you 15 solid minutes. Um, Wade, I think, is someone in the playoffs who you give him 14 minutes. And if he's really busting his ass on both ends, that's a lot more useful than what he's giving you now. But there's also a world where they don't stagger. And you've got a ton of minutes where D Rose and Wade are playing with like Jeff Green, Corver, and like Tristan Thompson, and to me that's a tire fire. Um, so like, if, if history tells us anything, it's that Tyron Lue will botch these rotations. <laughs> there's also a scenario where they try and play it more than 20 minutes a game, and his hip gives out, or he gets really dead legs or something, and he's useless. Um, so I, I think there's still a ton of variance. I think there's still very little you can predict about this, which is why I feel good about us having positive odds in the cells. Um, in summation. Mm-hmm. But let's, uh, let's jump to the kind of other main NBA storyline right now, in my opinion, which is that the OKC Thunder have come together nicely um, and look like over the past nine games, some would argue the contender we thought they'd be. Um, they've basically told Mello to be the third banana, and Westbrook is back to his MVP usage rate, only instead of Oladipo and Sabonis taking these threes, it's Paul George and Mello. Um, the team's won seven of its past nine. Um, Nick, I'll go to you first. Are you buying that they are you know, dangerous in the West again, or is this just a blip? You know, I, I've never, like, even at the beginning of the season, I didn't think that they would be very, very serious contenders in the West. I think that they are, um, a good team with some really fantastic players, but I, I do not expect them to really go that far. I mean, we knew that they were going to move into play. We knew that they were going to play better than they were playing. And I, you know, I think that I could easily see them ending this season in the number four spot. The T-Wolves are currently three games ahead of them, and the T-Wolves are very deeply flawed. Um, but I don't think that they're better than the Spurs, the Rockets, or the Warriors. And I think that in a 4-5 or five matchup, I, I, could, I could definitely see the T-Wolves winning that. 
Um, I just, yeah. I mean, we, I think that we've, we've been over and over it again with, with this, with this Thunder team. Like I love Westbrook and what he brings to the, to the table. I like Paul George a lot too. I don't know how good that fit is. And I absolutely hate Billy Donovan. And I don't think that Mello is, is at all adding a really complimentary piece to that. Um, with his like bizarre, like ISO ball game. So I don't know. I don't, I don't think the thunder are really serious. Um, I think they're exciting. I think they're fun. And uh, I'm glad that Russell Westbrook's heating up again, but yeah, I, I see this as totally a blip. Danny. Yeah. So I honestly haven't watched many of the games in this win streak, but I really do think that Paul George works first of all as a top 10 player and second yeah. of all works works better with Russell Westbrook than most people because he is an absolute knockdown open three shooter so he's a perfect guy to kick to and he's a two-way superstar I think that if they can get mellow to understand he's third banana to use Zach's terms and to have him not jack up 25 shots a game I think that they are a serious team the problem is the league is just so fucking good this year. Like, there's so many good teams. I just, I don't even see them beating the Celtics, really. Uh, let alone getting through the powerhouses that are Houston and the Warriors. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm dubious. I think if you clip 10 games out of any team schedule, you'll find 7 and 9, you know, 8 and 10 wins. I mean, if you look at the people they beat, they beat a really shorthanded Jazz team twice, the Nuggets, the Hawks, the Lakers, and then they also got the Rockets once and the Raptors once. So, you know, some good wins in there, some crappy ones, and they drop games say, to the Bucks and Mavs. So, like, you know. I, that's what I was going to say. Like, out of out of that last three, like, out of their last three, they, they beat the piss out of this Lakers team, and they're tanking, and Kuzma, like, ripped the team afterwards and was like, you know, we gave up, and it's fucking embarrassing. Um, but before that, the Thunder had lost to a piss poor Mavericks team and, you know, a good but not fantastic Bucks team. So, like, Giannis can snap a game off against anyone, though. Yeah. I mean, basically, my point is this is not like the fact that we're all excited about this or that some people are, um, I think, is ultimately a bad sign for how good this team can be. I think Melo at this point, the difference between him and Ryan Anderson is getting more and more negligible, which is devastating to say about uh, someone you're trying to bring into your big three. I think Paul George is one of the best guys you can have the three position as a defender and doubles as a really good secondary offensive playmaker. Um, And I think Westbrook, we've talked about this a lot, brings a ton to the table in terms of his effort, his penetration, his passing, his scoring. But, you know... I don't love the idea of MVP Russ taking over again. Is he going to be wearing down at the end of this? You know, I mean, like, we feel pretty good about predicting a first-round matchup of OKC the Timberwolves. You know, that's going to go five, six games, and he's getting Jimmy Butler the whole time or, you know, someone else who's a really good defender. How much is Westbrook going to have in the tank if he's playing at MVP usage rates, does that series, and then has to go into Golden State? Like, I think that's terrible. Um, the best thing I can say about OKC, though, is they have a top-five defense. They have a championship-caliber defense. It's been the offense that hasn't worked, and with three guys who are this good in ISO, if all of them get hot, you might see what happened when they played the Warriors, uh, where three guys just make a ton of difficult shots and you win. Um, And I think there's something to be said. It wasn't reported a ton, but Westbrook was carrying a knee injury into the season um, and looked pretty bad in the first 20 and has looked better since. Uh, so you could make the argument, too, that he's he's healthy now. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I see them probably beating that Timberwolves team and then losing the second round to Golden State. And I don't see them catching Houston or San Antonio in the regular season. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think that that, that T Wolves matchup is interesting. I I'm looking forward to seeing them in person. You know, we're all going to see these, this T Wolves team in person on Friday. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I really don't know what to make of them. Like, 
I really liked Cat, and maybe that was just like hype and mixtapes because he looks so good on offense. And like his touch is fantastic, and the way that he shoots the ball for a big guy is amazing. Um, but you know, the, the defensive concerns keep coming up. Um, and Andrew Wiggins, I saw this stat um, on the guys from the, you know, from the NBA math guys. You know, again, I'll plug that, that that's a great Twitter follow, great website. Like they pointed out that, that if you sort of like aggregate the Wiggins stats, he compares a lot to guys like Nick Young. And, uh, although, you know, you know, I love Swaggy P, but it's like Nick Young, early JR, um, like just, just dudes that, that their only value is hucking a ton of shots and not doing much for you on defense. Um, I'll see if I can find it. Cause it's, it's actually a pretty fantastic list. And, um, and, yeah. and I love Jim and I love Jimmy, but like, yeah, it's just such a flawed team. I, but you but know they who do have these looks like at his best? Wiggins looks like Kobe at his best on a, on a great Wiggins night. He's, he's like that nineties kind of like, you know, I'm going to take horrendous shots and just make them type of player. But like in the long run, he doesn't make them. That's the whole point of the stats. Right. And it's like, fine. If you need someone to hero ball your team to like 35 wins, I'd rather have Wiggins than like, I don't know, Trevor Ariza. But I mean, goddamn, if you're trying to make a run in the playoffs, You've got this elite scoring center in Towns who's defensively challenged. You've got a good playmaking winning in Jimmy Butler who adds a ton on defense. You know, I want someone who can run a pick and roll competently, defend really well, and hit open shots. And Wiggins doesn't really do any of those three things. He's someone who's going to take a ton of twos. He's going to score 25 a game inefficiently, 20 a game inefficiently. And in spite of being a freak athlete, he's a dreadful defender for reasons that no one can understand. Um, yeah. Part of it may be energy. Uh, sort of NBA nerds have been just killing Thibodeau this year for his minutes. It's really just different year, same story. Uh, he continues to just run players into the ground with little, little remorse. Uh, and like, Why? Why does he do this? I just don't understand. I think like he's the kind of guy that stays up till 3 in the morning and gets up at 6 a.m. to watch film. So he kind of expects everyone else to have that same intensity so to him the idea is someone can't play 38 40 minutes night after night is ridiculous like i'm sure he'd say well i'm not playing them 42 i'm playing them 38 um but it just doesn't really take into account like basic physiology and, and science and, and <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's a nightmare and like how many bulls teams did we watch crap out you know what i mean so many. He ruined them. He really ruined them, honestly. I mean, you look at, like, everyone who was a big player for him is just dead and buried. Yeah. I mean, he's uh, there, there's a... There's a great article. I forget whether it's on 538 or NBA Math, but it, like, takes a really serious look at the, at the Timberwolves' fourth-quarter performance, and they're sort of like, I don't know. It seems like they're getting tired at the end. So it's like, you know... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's just a nightmare. I, I think that team is playing a lot more through Jimmy Butler, which is kind of the way you want to use Butler, is use him as more of a playmaker, because he, he doesn't have a ton of value as an off-ball shooter. But this was my issue with them coming into the season, right? If you're going to build around Towns, who's a freakishly good offensive player and a very flawed defensive player, you should be able to build a top-five offense around him. And they're close, yeah. but they're leaving a lot of meat on the bone. Like... Someone like Teague, I just don't understand why he's out there because he can't really shoot that well off ball, and he's, like, their fourth best playmaker. Um, you know, someone like Taj just going to clog the space up a bunch. They have him shooting some corner threes. It, it, they don't really go in. You know, neither Wiggins nor Butler is a great three-point shooter. Like, I just don't really understand it. Um, and I think that their offense is a ton of flaws. But they're still a really good offense. And defensively... You, everyone just kind of assumed Tibbs would make them better, but they're still dreadful. And at this point, you know, I'd almost argue you got to do what like the Rockets did a year ago and just try and be the best offense in the league and passable on D. Yeah, Which you should be able to do with Towns, Towns, Butler, <coughs> two shooters, and a shooter at point guard should get that done. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I, but I don't like this roster construction. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, no idea what Jamal Crawford's doing in on this team. 
he, he he's so bad now. He has like here's he has here's, like, here's a here's a number for you. This season, Minnesota's been outscored six point six points per hundred when Crawford's in. It's plus seven point three per hundred when he's out. Like what that what that kind of number tells you is that he's just beyond useless. Yeah, I mean, Nick, you mocked my my support of the P.J. Tucker and Mute signings, but it really matters to have guys on your bench who just play really good defense, rebound, and hit open shots, and that's all they do. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think those guys are why I really believe Houston could dethrone um, Golden State. It's just like you need a supporting cast. That's something the Warriors have had on all their championship teams. Absolutely. Um, yeah, and now I think I think the Rockets. So we can talk a little Rockets Spurs because I know Nick loves talking Spurs. <laughs> I continue to be really impressed by the Harden Chris Paul pairing, but basically Harden just pulled his hamstring, which is something I'm all too familiar with doing. Those injuries don't heal, really. <laughs> like they don't really ever go away. <laughs> like you kind of rest it. And hopefully you, you know, by stretching other parts of your body and keeping your back loose and whatever, like, you know, you just don't fuck it up anymore and it kind of heals very slowly over time. That's something you can easily, easily, easily tweak again. Um, And Harden basically just plays every game and plays like 38 minutes of sprinting around pick and rolls under D'Antoni. And they just refuse to stop doing that. And... My notes say, please rest Harden in huge uppercase letters written like, I'm going crazy. And, mm-hmm. you know, he now has to rest Harden because he's injured, but then he's going to play Chris Paul 40 minutes a game. And it's like everything they talked about in the beginning of the year about resting guys has just gone out the window. So if both yeah. those guys are healthy and rested, I say they beat San Antonio, and I think they give a very competitive series to the Warriors. But I just continue to have less and less faith that that'll happen. And I don't know if you guys have caught Kawhi Leonard recently. He looks does good. not look good, dude. I disagree. Oh! You I think he doesn't look good? I mean, he's, he dropped 25 last night, didn't he? He's an elite. He didn't play last night against the Sixers, I don't think. Mm. Um, he dropped 25 in his him, last outing. So I convinced Buck to bet Spurs over Knicks a couple nights ago. And the bet panned out. And... We were watching Kawhi, and he was still just a defensive menace. He's still brilliant. He's still just, like, ripping the ball out of people's hands. Offensively, he looks a step slow to me. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's probably just he hasn't played basketball in three months. But, I mean, I hope he gets that back. I'm He does not look 100% to me remotely. He does not look 100% in form. Like, he might not be hurt anymore. I don't think he's in form yet. Well, that's that's fair to say. But, like... The fact that he he's still getting like twenty twenty five not in great form, I think, speaks to the potential that's there for when he does round into form. Oh, absolutely! But they need a hundred percent of Kawhi in that series. Oh yeah, yeah I just don't. I think even, and this will happen, even when Pop absolutely coaches the shit out of the Spurs and they totally outfox D'Antoni's team. Houston just has so much talent and now has, like, more than ever such veteran superstars and supporting cast. I just, I don't see how this Spurs team could beat them. To me, that would be a crazy upset. I'm also worried about Parker and Ginobili. I mean, Ginobili I'm not worried about. He's just ancient. Parker, like, really looks bad to me. But I don't think that those are the guys who are really going to carry this team. So, like... Like, you see Parker playing, like, 16 minutes? Yeah, I don't think that they need a big... I don't think that they need a lot out of Tony Parker. I think that the the biggest parts of this rotation are... Um, Patty Mills, Kyle Anderson, Kawhi, Aldridge. And those are sort of, like, your four that are giving you the most minutes. DeJounte um, get a ton of minutes. DeJounte gets some minutes. Rudy Gay, who's been hurt. Um, but played really well when he was in, um, pow. And, you know, I guess like Tony and Ginobili will do some stuff on the back end. But like before that, I think I named seven guys without them. And those are some guys I would love to go into the playoffs with. 
if if your eight biggest rotation minutes guys are DeJounte Murray, Patty Mills, Kawhi, Kyle Anderson, Rudy Gay, Aldridge, Pow, and like Davis Bertans or something, and Parker and Ginobili are each playing, you know, 15, that's a lot to ask from Kawhi offensively. I think I think that like what what you're not giving enough credit to with the Spurs is the fact that they all hit open shots and they will get the open shots. I don't know, man. I I don't have a ton of faith in ancient Pagasol. Uh DeJounte's young. Patty Mills is a one trick pony in a lot of ways. I I'm just saying, like and you can look at the Spurs last year. They relied more heavily on Kawhi than Pop ever relied on any one of his stars before. Like, Kawhi's mm-hmm. usage rate was higher than, like, almost every Duncan season, except for, like, I don't know, after David Robinson, before Parker and Ginobili. Yeah, but I, I don't think that that... I, I don't think that, that that's going to be the same this season. I think that playing without Kawhi for so long really helped the team. Like, LaMarcus Aldridge looks fantastic. Like he was, he was the team. Like he was the reason why that team, you know, was at the top of the Western Conference without Kawhi for so long. And you know, I think that um, guys like Kyle Anderson, like who can seriously average like 15 points a game, and and it's like the Celtics are doing the same thing. Like Jalen Brown and like Tatum and you know, Rozier or Smart. Like none of those guys are averaging 20. They're all just like somewhere between 10 and. 15 every night and like i think that that's exactly what you're going to see out of this spurs team i mean i think their goal would be to put Dejounte and Kawhi on paul and harden and just slot you know worse defenders and the other guys but guys who can kind of execute a scheme they're definitely gonna do the thing they did last year where they're like all right harden take as many mid-range shots as you want you're not getting a three you're not getting a layup they'll stay glued to shooters and, you know, they'll make Paul and Harden beat them. My concern is, if you're rolling with that lineup, can you score? And, you know, I could see... I mean, the Rockets have a top 10 defense this year. And they have a ton of versatile, really good defenders on the roster. And I'd be concerned, if I'm the Spurs, that I can get to 100 points night after night if I'm rolling out a defensive lineup. Yeah, I I just I think that like what what makes the Spurs the Spurs is that you're like you don't have people to key in on. And like that's what so many defenses have to do is they're like, okay, we're shutting down this player and everyone else has to be us. Or like, you know, I mean you saw last night with the Cavs, like they were doing that double team on Kyrie and that quick switch um when he did the high pick and roll. And like that's really well and good and all, but like what do you do when literally every piece um, shoots. And that's what the Spurs bring to the table. It's like, yeah, Pau Gasol is not going to like kill you with some crazy low post moves, but you can't leave him open. So See, same every, piece, every piece on the Rockets can shoot and shoots better than their Spurs counterpart, I'd say. Oh, so false. He's right. Dude, like PJ Tucker even is just going to can open threes. Like, there's so many players on the Rockets who will hit open shots. And if they're the one player on the floor who won't, then they'll just pass, and they have four amazing sh- other shooters. To me, it's all about DeJounte and Kawhi. If they can lock up Paul and Harden and score enough, I like the Spurs. If they can't, if Kawhi can't drop 25 to 30 a night, I think it's a problem. But let's uh, let's soldier on. Um, so really quick, I want to talk. I want you guys, since you guys are the Sixers fans, each give your your thirty second take on how you see the Sixers season ending. Oh, sorry, I didn't even mention Danny Green, who's who's you know another Spurs guy. Yeah, so we forgot about him. I totally didn't Canning mention Greece, Danny Green. He's totally useful. Yeah, he's great a guy player. Takes a minutes on Paul and Harden. Play out the wing, and uh, yeah, I mean, I just okay. We we can we can leave those Spurs, but quick shout out to my boy Kyle Anderson who's shooting. Uh, over 500 from the field. There we go. All right. 30-second Sixers take. Where do you see their season ending? I'm going to say... They're 18 I think they right now and in 8th or ninth place in the East. 
Nein. Um, I mean, uh, I, I see it continuing how it is. I see them either squeaking in at that seven or eight. I, I think they're, they have way more talent than the Pacers and the Heat, but like you were arguing against the 76ers at the beginning of the season, Zach, they just, you know, it's their first year trying to win and the Heat and the Pacers have been trying to win and have that culture and kind of management and coaching. So I don't know, but they easily have the talent to be the seventh seed or the eighth seed. They're much better in that regard than the Pacers or the Heat, I think. I mean, I I actually like this Pacers team, and I think that they'll keep getting better. Oladipo's been on the shelf, so, I mean, they've lost five in a row, but they're better than they're looking right now. The Pistons have vastly outperformed, but they're also kind of coming back down to earth. So the question is, you know, right now it's Pistons 6, Heat 7, Pacers 8, 76ers 9. And the question is, can the 76ers, who have actually won, won their past three, can they heat back up and maybe swipe one of those spots? Um, I think that the Pacers are definitely going to make the playoffs. I think I like their chances better than I like the Pistons or the Heat. But my guess in how it shakes out, actually, I mean, if, if this is a logical universe, I would guess that the Heat drop out and the Sixers take that eight spot. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm similar to you guys. I see them somewhere in the 35 to 45 range. Um, that's assuming you get all of Embiid. Um, if, if Embiid, like, misses two months or something like that, I think this team really can overcome that. I think I was totally wrong about Embiid. I thought he was going to, like, have some rookie wall moments this year. That's just not a thing. Like, if he's... If you told me he was playing 82 games at full health, I'd pencil him in his first or second team All-NBA center. Um, he's amazing, dude. The yeah, he's, Simmons, he's the best, I think. Simmons kind of hit a rookie wall a little bit. Covington cooled off a little bit. Team dropped some games and then beat out. Um, they look better now. Simmons looks like he's figuring it out. Um, you know, I see them settling in to where Simmons still needs to figure out how to be... Um, Simmons still needs to figure out how to be useful when teams play five yards off him or when teams really ignore him off ball. I think he's brilliant, but we'll figure out better ways to deal with that. Um, you know, we'll see. Uh, I think they, they still have a lot to figure out. I think it would be awesome for them as a franchise to get into the playoffs and lose to the Cavs or Celtics in round one and learn a lot about themselves. Um, but yeah. they may not get there. You know, they're going to have ups and downs this year. I don't really know if I like Brett Brown. We'll see. Um, yeah. So it seems like we're all in the same place. What about... Well, there's a there's an interesting wild card, though, is that Fultz is uh, slowly coming back. So I think that, that I can see that going one of two ways. Um, one, he, you know, plays like a decent rookie um, who can score some points and have some flashes. Um, and doesn't necessarily like tip the needle for them, but gives them better minutes than like say TJ McConnell, who actually has been doing pretty decent. No, I think so like Cabarro's minutes. Well, I mean, Cabarro. whoever. But like, you know, Fultz does some positive things, or um, he's so behind and so not ready to play that. Um, like basically playing him is sacrificing their chance of winning games and they have to make that really, really tough choice. So for, for my, for my sake, as a, as a fan of this franchise, I hope that, that he comes ready to play or they keep him out um, until he's ready to actually give meaningful minutes. Yeah. I mean, the Sixers had some disclosure that, you know, he was starting like training with the team or something, but at this point, I trust Sixers medical memos about as much as I trust things said by, like, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, or the fuck her name is. Like, yeah, no, you nailed it. Like, this this team just hides injuries, misreports them, and then guys just go on IR. So, like, I don't know. Like, if Fultz went on IR, I would not be surprised. Or whatever the yeah. NBA equivalent of that is. But, you know, you're right. Like, I think if, like, Fultz, at this point, it's hard for me to imagine him being like a creator this year. If he can be a secondary creator, someone who can hit an open three and then penetrate off that, which he should be overqualified for given the skills that he showed in college. 
you can do that, that's an asset. Um, and just not be horrible on defense. But we'll see. Yeah. Um, um, I, I got to go, but do you, do you have any uh, parting questions, or can I leave you with a parting thought? I wanted to talk about the Bulls. Ah, that's so perfect, because I, I had a parting thought about the Bulls, and maybe I can leave it and you can continue the discussion. <laughs> All right. You can go first. Well, actually, now I'm a little curious what you have to say, but um, but here's here's my parting parting shot, and I hope that hope that this is sort of in line with what you're thinking. I took a, I, I've been taking a really long look at the, at this at this like Bulls run that they've been on. Like they they had this crazy streak where they beat a lot of good teams, and now they're kind of coming back down to earth after getting beat by the Wizards, the Trailblazers, and the Raptors, who are all good teams. And you know, I think of what we were saying at the beginning of the season is like. They're better than the than this tanking, you know, crap that we're that we saw from them at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, they started Chris, three and twenty, which is like the worst ever. That, that's like yeah. basically like the worst ever team, basically. Yeah, Chris Dunn is actually good. Miritich is actually really good, or is playing really good. Um, How is Miritich willing to play with Bobby Portis? I still don't understand this. Yeah, I don't get that at all. There's, there's and I've been like weird, like non stories that have come out of there, like. People won't say what happened or like what the deal is, and it's very hush hushed and it's bizarre. Like usually something would leak and nothing's leaked. That's bizarre. And I, and I think that like Hoiberg is probably better than than we give him credit for. Like I think that we painted him as the worst coach in the league, and I I I think that obviously his personnel management I think could be the worst in the league, which might make him you know bottom five just on that alone. But I think that in terms of strategy and in terms of like player development i think that he's better than we gave him credit for because i think that what we're seeing out of chris dunn and you know denzel valentine and david wamba like guys like that actually is pretty david decent wamba? no no wamba i i think i, I mean Nwaba. i'm great. pretty sure his name is wamba <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not calling him but, david wamba but go on yeah I, I don't think that I think that I was trying to pronounce the end softly, but whatever. Um, my my sincerest and deepest hope for this Bulls team is that they seriously wisen up and trade Miritich at the top of his value because they could get a really nice piece. It would get us right back into the lottery and maybe while we're at it, get Bobby Portis out of here, too, because Markinen looks good. Dunn looks good. Levine isn't even back yet. Like that's that's three pieces to build around. Add a lottery piece and add another good asset, and you've got a core. And it's like, you know, right now they could they could get high on their own farts from this win streak, and make the decision that this is actually going to be a decent team, and they just need to add a free agent piece while marketing and done develop more. But like, I think that that would just be the most short sighted and stupid thing. And you know, I know that like that like rooting for your own team to fail is not great. And like Chicago Twitter is really torn right now. And, and guys like Nick Friedel who wrote that great bulls article are like, you know, I'm actually really happy with this team, blah, blah, blah. But I think just like looking at the landscape, you know, th there's no point in, in being a perpetual eight to six. I think that we really have a chance to put together a great core if we make the right move here. And I'm convinced that it's getting rid of Miritich. Nice. Uh, Danny, you want me to go? Or Nick, are you going to jump? Right. I'm going to jump. All right. Goodbye, Nick. Yeah, I'll, I'll add... Peace, Nick. Peace. I, I, have, I have a lot to say about this, but Danny, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I really... I'm not very informed on it, so I'll just give my quick take, which is that I've definitely been enjoying watching Chris Dunn play the way he's played because he was so great in college and then just never looked... I mean, he didn't get a lot of playing time, I guess, for the T-Wolves, but yeah, I don't know. I, th I think he could be a really good player. He's played so well the past few weeks. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, he was someone I loved to in college. I really wanted the Bulls to take. Um, I can't remember if we had a shot at him. Whatever. He was someone I really liked coming out of college as well. And then last year, I was very low on him after the trade because last year he had like a Michael Carter-Williams bad shooting season. Like, he shot, like, 40 from the field, 30 from three. Like, terrible. Um, and he's, like, shooting well on this team, uh, which could be Hoiberg, could be the stuff he did over the summer, could be anything. Um, and he's now a real piece, because he was already a plus defender. 
and he was a plus passer. So that's big. I really like him. I really like Markkanen. Um, I was worried that Miritich and Portis would kind of cannibalize what he was doing or that he would cool off. He looks like a piece. And if you look at this team, so they start 3-20, and they're awful. They get Portis back, they get Miritich back, they get those guys in the fold. They've won 10 of their last 15. And, you know, for a team that was on pace to be the worst offense in 20 years, they've already shot, you know, up a ton. They're still 29th worst on the season as a whole just because of how bad they were when they started. But Who's worse than them? Uh, God, who is worse? I don't know. It's someone terrible. I, I don't have it in front of me. Um, but I think with them, there's a lot to be said for having shooting at the big man positions all the time offensively. Um, you know, I was watching the Bulls Raptors game yesterday and, you know, if you're constantly rolling out lineups that are like, you know, three guards, Miritich Portis, three guards, Miritich Markkanen, three guards, Portis Markkanen, or four really good shooters, including Markkanen or Miritich the four. And then, you know, Lopez, who kind of knows what to do with himself on a spaced offense, you know, that's a recipe along with decent passing, right? So like, you know, Dunn's a good passer, Valentine's a good passer, Miritich and Markin can pass. Having that much shooting and decent passing, like, you're going to get good looks and you're going to get baskets. Um, for me, the bigger issue is, I don't, I mean, they've been defending, like, not horribly, I think they're, like, 20th in the league now. Um, and the guys are, like, they're really playing hard, which, to me, is, you know, maybe the first nice thing I'll say about Hoiberg. Um, but, you know, you watched, if you watched that Raptors game, the Raptors basically realized in the third quarter, oh, there's absolutely no one who can rim protect because they're playing two shooters, the big man positions. I'm just going to run at the rim. And, you know, I think the Bulls, when you start off 3-20, and 20, teams aren't sitting around like, oh, my God, how are we going to beat this team? They're like, all right, Chicago, whatever, let's go play them. And when you win 10 of your last 15, teams start being like, oh, how are we going to beat these guys? And I think they're going to look at, hey, if they're playing Markkinen and Miritich in the front court, Let's just run at the rim because it's not like the Bulls have guys who are going to stop people in the perimeter all alone. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of on board, Nick. I don't see this team, this core, like, I wouldn't just leave it alone. I would definitely, I would sell Lopez tomorrow and sell out on the uh, all shooting from the big man positions thing. And, and you can give Felicio, who they paid like $10 million a year, uh, Lopez's minutes. Um I would sell Lopez like tomorrow and try and bring Levine back and try and get at least, you know, a 10, 15 game glimpse before the deadline of what this team might look like with the Miritich Portis marketing combo as your front court. Um, Cause if you start just scoring at a top five level or top 10 level with that team, fuck it, like run it out. But you know, is that you, really possible? This is what I'm going to say though, is if you followed Miritich's career, this guy is so streaky, and you know he's now been playing for three years. He's had probably two or three stretches where he shot like this, and it just energizes his whole game. And the rest of the time, you're getting blah, pretty bad shooting. And if he can't shoot, his pump and drive isn't there. And if his pump and drive isn't there, you know what is he? So Nick's right. If you sell him tomorrow, it's the best deal you're going to get for him probably. Um, and. You know, I think that's probably the most sensible thing. I wouldn't be pissed if they sold Lopez and gave the all-shooting lineups a chance, um, especially once Levine gets back. But, you know, that's my take. I think I think if you roll out a ton of shooting and you have decent passers, you can play decent offense. Um, but let's talk, Danny, let's talk Hoiberg now. Does this change your opinion of Hoiberg? I've never really had... I mean, I guess the only opinion of Hoiberg I had, you know, maybe it wasn't his fault. Maybe what happened with Jimmy Butler and D-Wade was just bound to happen when you have, you know, a future Hall of Famer and an all-star quality player on a dog shit team. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I feel like Jerry's still out on Hoiberg. He's kind of on a rebuilding team at the moment. Yeah, I mean, so... Here's the thing with Hoiberg. He's been coaching now. This is his third season. 
And the first year he took a team that was a 50-win team, and they missed the playoffs. Um, and offense and defense both sucked. Or underperformed, you could say. And his second year, they gave him this weird roster with Wade, Rondo, and Butler, which just made no sense. And they won like 42 games and eked into the playoffs and then won two playoff games and then were swept out. Um, and he made a ton of really puzzling rotation decisions in my book uh, in that series. And then this year they started off 3-20. and 20. So that's that was my framework when I had him as the worst coach in the NBA when I did my rankings. Um, you know, so to see him go win 10 of his next 15, have the team energized, you know, obviously I'm going to have to reevaluate that ranking a little bit, but you also depreciate he's been coaching for three years and this is really the only good 15 game stretch he's had or his teams have had. Um, you know, I think, I think there's something to be said for if you run a system like he runs or he wants to run where it's a ton of like high screens Shooting at the big man positions is critical, um, or at least with how he wants to run his offense. And if you watch his teams at Iowa State, there were those classic college teams where like their power forward is like a six seven guy who shoots all the time from three, and their center, you know, occasionally might be able to shoot or you know something like that. Um, so, like, that's kind of why I'm thinking, hey, maybe he's like a system coach and he runs the system that needs big man shooting and let's see if it works out long term. Um, but Nick's right. Like, they have pieces. Like, Dunn is good. Markkinen is good. Like, those are pieces. Levine may well be really good. Valentine, I think, can be a starter. Um, you know, you go down the line, there are pieces in this team. I think Lopez and Miritich are not going to – I don't think they should survive this iteration. I'm down to see it out in Miritich, but I think those two need to go and get some picks. I would love to suck again this year and and really figure out more about this core, hit this lottery, and then try and build that next season. Um, and you know what? If Hoiberg can coach this offense to top 10 levels, I'm not totally opposed to him staying another year to see if it can work. I mean, guys who come from college probably need some time to get better. But, and, you know, the fact that I'm there and not I'd fire him today is a big, big commendation to to what they've done. But at the same time, this is 15 games versus three years. And if they close the season like 10 and 40 or some shit, he needs to be fired the day after the season. Um, yeah, I'd say that sounds about right. All right, Danny. Uh, do you have any? Uh, that's about all I had. Do you have any interest in talking Lakers or the fact that Contavious Caldwell Pope has been playing NBA games with a house arrest bracelet? The house arrest bracelet. Have you followed that story? I haven't heard anything about this. No, I haven't. Tell me about it. Um, <laughs> so basically, I think it was like a DUI charge. Uh, he had to like he had to like serve jail time in California, but as part of like a work release program, he gets to leave to go like play to do his job, which is to play in NBA games. So he's allowed to join the team and play games in California, but he can't leave California. So he's been getting like DNP like I, don't, I can't remember what ESPN wrote, but it's basically like he'll miss any game they don't play in California because it's prohibited by his jail terms. <laughs> and then when he does play, because he's like he's like I guess a prisoner, an equivalent, he needs to wear his ankle bracelet at all times. You can see on his like game sock over the shoe a like house arrest bracelet. Dude, that's fucked up. Really gonna hit him out there. pretty hard here yeah you too um all right let's just call it i'll i'll tell them what you were trying to tell me all right excellent all right, man. All right great job Good Good man. thanks for having me on the pod yeah let's do this again soon yeah talk soon bye right, peace yeah so he was basically trying to make the point that uh it's kind of fucked up but if it was a serious dui you know 
I guess it's fair. Um, yeah, I mean, if you don't want to play in an ankle bracelet and have to miss games, don't get the DUI charge or whatever it was. Um, yeah, so that uh, that pretty much does it. I mean, I don't think either of my brothers were in a position to talk about this uh, this Lakers turmoil. It's the last thing I want to cover. Um, you know, basically, they've just started bottoming out since, you know, I mean, they weren't good when Lonzo and Brooke Lopez were there, but with those two out, it's been a catastrophe. We we mentioned kind of briefly that against the Thunder, they, they lost by like 35, and Kuzma called them out for like giving up, basically. Um, and then before that, though, there was a story, I think someone in like the OC register report, it's like some local, local beat person, that like the, they had like a team meeting and players were like really worried or just like kind of really worried that they were going to be the ones sacrificed for LeBron's imminent arrival next year um, and Paul George's imminent arrival. And, you know, basically I think the team is like, we're not that good now. I'm going to be cut so that, you know, or like sent somewhere so that LeBron can come here. You know, Luke, Luke Walton has been doing like kind of weird, infrequent minutes distributions, which I think is really kind of messing with guys. Um, and, you know, it's just like for a team that had a lot of expectations and a lot of eyeballs on it for how bad it is, like it's just, it's kind of a shitty deal to, you know, for what these guys are going through. And I think the team is just really cratering. Um, and, you know, I, I think. I kind of get where they're coming from, right? Like, if you're Julius Randle, you'll play 25 minutes, have a great game. Next game, you'll play eight. And, you know, Luke will say something in the media like, oh, you know, we need Julius to keep competing. He didn't have it tonight. I want the hot hand, something like that. And it's like, you're Randle. Like, you know, this needs to be your show-me season. Like, you miss your whole rookie year with injury. You're kind of infrequent in the years following. Like, for all the guys on the team, this is the put-up-or-shut-up year because I think everyone sees the writing on the wall even if they don't get LeBron, the Lakers figure they're getting at least Paul George and like trying to build a contender. And they're probably the favorite to land LeBron, all things considered. And, you know, if you, if you believe that LeBron is going there, then you also believe George is going there. And if you're building around LeBron and George, you know, the rookie contracts are really useful, but you need to pick the right ones. So it's like, you know, Kuzma with what he's shown has to stick around. Um, Lonzo with his pedigree probably has to stick around. Ingram, it would be really tough to sacrifice because he's shown a ton of great flashes, but I feel like he has to stick around just on, on merit. Everyone else to me is expendable in that situation. So if you're everyone else on the team, you know, you basically feel like you're playing for your life, but you're not getting steady minutes (laughs) and the team's going to ship you out very soon. So I get the turmoil. I think I think a lot of this falls on Walton. I think he gets a ton of credit as a coach because of how well that team started when he was coaching the Warriors. But, I mean, you can't forget that that's Steve Kerr's team that Walton was kind of running subs for, Um, which, you know, I'm hopeful that a guy who's a head coach can run subs in in a system like that. I mean, you watched Mike Brown run that team perfectly, and we all know he's not a great coach. Um, So... You know, I think Walton needs to commit to a rotation, commit to guys getting 30 minutes a game, 24 minutes a game, 12 minutes a game. Um, because people, I think teams just need that structure. I think with this total lack of hierarchy, you know, it's kind of upsetting this team. Um, and, you know, I think the team, at a certain point, the players need to be professional. And you've got a ton of young guys on the team um, in a very uncertain situation living in L.A., which is never a good combination. Um and you know you have to you have to wonder if those guys are going to handle things as maturely as they should. Um, I mean, sports are so emotional, and like so, like I get you know players being really frustrated. I don't expect them to just be a robot, but weirdly, like that's a skill in the NBA. Like guys who can just sit on the bench, you know, not play for a week and a half, and then are just desperately needed for twenty minutes a game. Guys that can do that have careers, and guys that can't don't. Um, so I do think that's a skill Lakers players need to get better at. But at the same time, I do want Walton to pick rotation. Um, but anyway, that's my Laker take. 
And that does it for this NBA pod. Uh, thank you to the brothers um, for coming on. <laughs> Tough to book them uh, as always, but they, uh, I think they were they were thoughtful. And uh, yeah, I mean we. So I put out the Trailer Park Boys one today. It was like my. I ended up having only one pod in December, basically. Uh, so many of them, kind of bottomed out uh in terms of like technology like we'd record like these really good pods and just for whatever reason it wouldn't translate um so i think we sorted out what the issue was hopefully it won't keep happening um and yeah stay tuned i gotta do a uh i'm hoping to get a wild card weekend preview out um and certainly if i don't get one of those i'll get a kind of post and, and looking forward playoff one out um and you know, continue the nba stuff and, and yeah so Keep listening. Uh, hope you enjoyed and uh, take care. Yeah, sorry, I missed that my thing. All right, can I do my intro now? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Danny? This is stupid shit. Danny? Sorry, my phone is freaking out. Can I do the intro now? Like, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, but can we... T- you asked me a question. I gave a response, and I haven't heard anything since. I asked if we could do... Nick can only do 45 minutes. Can you go longer or no? What I'm saying is that I have the time, but I have no idea what I'm going to say. Because I've only watched the game last night. It's the first game I've watched. Well, aren't you two a pair? All right. Um, <laughs> let's just do it. And I'll, well, I'll, I'll turn the shit in the shit salad. Great. Let's make it, let's make it a good 45 minutes. God damn it. All right. One of you is like a siren in the background now. I'm already agitated for the record. Dude, we don't have to do this if you don't want to. I really want to do this. That's the whole point. Dude, I don't know what you. I don't know what you want me to do about the fact that I haven't seen a lot of basketball games recently. Who keeps making all this noise? Not on my end. Did you both say it's not you? No, I said that. I said that was me. All right, can you stop the noise now? Because I'm gonna do the intro and let's just start. All right, yeah. <laughs>